And you know, I know this morning and probably even this evening, you'll sense some urgency in me. And there is real urgency in me because the hour's getting late. Now, I don't think this culture's lost. The Holy Spirit is still here because we're still here, Mike. We can have a great revival and a great awakening, but we need to get busy with that. And also, I've got a few miles on the odometer now, and I think as we get older, we sense our mortality, and we are even more inclined to want to do more. Uh, you know, we don't know when we're going to die, and we, we want to accomplish just as much as we can. Uh, some of you in here, these kids won't, but some of y'all remember hee-haw, do you? You dated yourself, didn't you? <laughs> Remember when Lulu and Junior used to sit under the haystack and have those philosophical discussions? Well, one day they were sitting under there, and, and Lulu turned to Junior and said, Junior, you know, we just really got to make the most of our lives. We don't know how much time we've got. He said, we don't know when we're going to die. And Junior said, well, yeah, that's usually true, Lulu. He said, but my second cousin knew when he was going to die. He knew the exact day. She asked, how did he know that? Junior said, the judge told him. <laughs> so unless we're in that category, we don't know, but we know that we need to make the most of the time we've got, don't we? All right, I told you that we would uh, talk about some of, the, uh, some of the ballot issues. You know, Arkansas is like about half the other states. Citizens can uh, circulate petitions, get signatures of registered voters, and actually put both laws and constitutional amendments on the ballot for people to vote on. And you've witnessed those through the years. You know, we battled the casino and lottery gambling amendments time after time after time, and won a lot of them, did finally lose the lottery, uh, but we still don't have casinos all over the state of Arkansas. So there's something to be said for that. But this year, there are three that have so far qualified for the ballot. Um, there are, uh, there is a Arkansas Medical Cannabis Act. Now, they're trying to be cute with the word cannabis. They don't want to put the word marijuana in. Now, that's an act. That is like equivalent to what the legislature passes, and it can be amended by the legislature with a two-thirds vote of both uh, chambers. That doesn't happen very often. But they want to do that because they don't have to get quite as many signatures for it. The other medical marijuana amendment is the uh, issue is the Arkansas Medical Marijuana Amendment. It's actually a proposed constitutional amendment. Uh, and I'm going to, a lot of these, both of these have a lot of things in common that I'll get to in, here in a moment. The third measure on the ballot uh, so far, now there, there are lawsuits filed against all of these. Uh, a coalition that I'm in has filed lawsuits against both of these medical marijuana uh, measures. And uh, Oakland Park and Southland Graham Park, who have quasi-casinos now, have supported and funded the uh, lawsuit against the uh, casino gambling uh, amendment. It would allow, if it was passed by our Kansans, casinos in three counties, Boone, Miller, and Washington. Um, a couple of specific things about this one, for instance. Uh, this one actually allows the grow your own uh, uh, feature. If you, if you live so many miles from a dispensary, <laughs> you're able to grow up to 10 plants for yourself, okay? which is kind of crazy. Uh, and you can also become a caregiver, qualify to be a caregiver. And if you're a caregiver, you can grow plants for up to five patients plus for yourself if you're a patient. So you can grow 60 plants. Now, my point is, that's a commercial operation. And there's no way that's going to be regulated or supervised at all. It's a crazy, crazy feature. Uh, this one doesn't have the grow your own. It's more of a monopoly. It allows only eight growers 
and 40 sellers. And so there are going to be some folks who are going to get in on the ground floor uh, of that. Now, these are not medical marijuana issues. They're recreational medical marijuana issues. Now, they're, they're, they're couched in terms of medical, but they're not. And here's why they're recreational. This act will allow 60 different medical conditions to qualify someone to get uh, marijuana. Uh, this one has, uh, I think, 20, uh, 20, yeah, 21 conditions. Both of those have among those conditions chronic pain. Now, folks, I can go to the Mayo Clinic. I can be examined by the best doctor there, and he cannot prove or disprove if I have chronic pain. Can't be done. There's no test for that. And in Colorado, which is now, rec by the way, the, uh, the four recreational marijuana states were, re were medical marijuana before becoming recreational. In Colorado, when it was still medical, almost half of the patients there had chronic pain as the reason for uh, their need for marijuana. And a vast, probably a majority of those were 25 to 40-year-old males, probably in the pink of health, right? So, so clearly these are, these are, are really recreational uh, marijuana initiatives. Now let's get to the nut of the issue. Is marijuana medicine? Well, it might be. It might be medicine, but not in the way they want to do it. They want to grow it, sell it, smoke it, need it, all right? By the way, both of these allow edibles. Marijuana can be infused in cookies, brownies, soda pop, lollipops, all kinds of things. And by the way, because of that, in California, a lot of kids are going to the emergency room because they find brownies and cookies laying around. They just think they're regular cookies and brownies. They're eating them, and they're getting very sick, some seriously, uh, seriously sick. No, it's not medicine. Now, there are, I'm willing to admit there's some components in marijuana that may have some medical benefit. Research is ongoing. But here's the little trick. If it does, we've got to do the same thing we, we did with other uh, substances. Now, take opium, for instance. Now, if I'm in pain and I smoke an opium cigarette, I'm not going to feel any pain for a while. But the FDA doesn't allow us to smoke opium cigarettes, do they? They made science take the opium out of the poppy plant and produce morphine, oxycodone, hydrocodone. Now, yes, those are abused, but when they're prescribed and used properly, they're legitimate medicines. The same thing needs to be done with marijuana. In fact, it has. There are already four different medications and more coming around all the time that actually have the components of marijuana in it that are used for different kind of medical conditions. You don't get high. You don't get the high. You don't get the psychoactive uh, hallucinogenic effect, and you don't get the respiratory problems you get with smoking it. But you see, these folks, they don't want it in that form because this is recreational marijuana. They want to be able to grow it, sell it, and smoke it, or in some cases, uh, eat it. Now, you would think, wouldn't you? And you need to remember this because you're going to, you know, if these, if these aren't knocked off the ballot, there's going to be a lot of discussion about these. If you have someone who's a proponent for these, ask them this question. If marijuana is medicine, why does the FDA, the American Medical Association, the Center for Disease Control, the American Glaucoma Association, I've got a list here in a booklet of probably 20 health organizations, none endorse marijuana as medicine, not in this form. None do. They all say it needs to be researched, it needs to be developed if there's benefits, but it does not, to be, does not need to be smoking, uh, smoked or eaten. Uh, in order to deliver any medical benefit um, that, it, um, that it might have. So no, it's, it's, not, it's not medicine at all. 
There's no dosage. You can't, I mean, the, uh, the marijuana comes with different uh, concentrations of THC, which is the psychoactive uh, component in there. So you can't dosage it. I mean, what, is the, what would a doctor do? Say, smoke two joints and call me in the morning? I mean, <laughs> and by the way, do you know there's no prescription? Because it's not medicine. A doctor cannot write a prescription. The way a patient would get the, med- the marijuana is they would get a recommendation from a doctor. And they wouldn't go to a pharmacy because pharmacies aren't allowed to, you can't prescribe it. Again, there's no dosage. Pharmacies won't touch it. And by the way, let me say this for I forget. This is not a religious issue. In that coalition that I'm in, we've got the governor, the state's surgeon general, law enforcement, business, the nurses association, the doctors association, all kinds of folks against it because they've done the research and they know these are idiotic attempts at doing something in a totally clandestine way. It has nothing to do for the sponsors, has nothing to do with medicine. It has everything to do with being able to, uh, to grow and, and smoke marijuana. By the way, children could qualify as patients if the parents approve. So you could have a child, eight-year-old child, sitting around smoking a joint or eating a brown, marijuana-infused brownie, totally legal. And there are provisions in both of these that prevent discrimination. Now, is it going to take the courts to determine just what's that, what that means? But many lawyers have looked at that and said, you won't be able to fire somebody if they come high. You won't be able to punish a student if they've taken a break and, and, and to take their medicine, so-called. So there'll be all kinds of issues and unintended consequences that will, will rise up from this. Okay, let me stop because I know I'm giving this to you really fast. Uh, comments or questions? Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. If the current administration in Washington, D.C. would enforce the law, this would be moot question. There would be no medical or recreational marijuana anywhere in America. It is against the federal criminal statutes to market, grow, market, or use marijuana. And they have simply refused to enforce the law. Now, the executive branch has no right to do that. The executive branch is to enforce the laws and carry out the laws, but we've got an administration that has chosen to turn its back on it and say, well, we're just not going to do it. If the states want to do that, we're willing to let them do it. That is a dangerous path to go down, and it is a slippery slope. What will be the next laws that they choose to ignore? Thank you for that question. And because it's against federal, here's how crazy this is. All the marijuana growing operations in the United States, whether for recreation or medical, they can't bank with, with, with banks. It's not allowed. They can't deposit funds that are, are gathered in a criminal enterprise, which it is still a criminal enterprise. It's just not enforced by the federal, federal government. Is that not crazy? Uh, it's, just, uh, it's just really kind of insane. By the way, the Mexican cartels have now moved into Colorado. Did you know that? Yes. It's cheaper there. They have a better business model there. It's easier to ship it out to all places in the United States. Many of the drug cartels are now operating out of Colorado. That's where uh, this sort of thing will get you. Those lights are so bright. Are there any other questions? I'm not sure I can see if you had one. Come on now. There's no stupid questions, just stupid answers, so the risk is all on me. Where? Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, the testing is in, the, the, the ability to test is in question. And you're right. I just, I thank you for that because that prompts something else. There is no equivalent DWI for marijuana because you're right. Marijuana can stay in the system sometimes for longer than, than 20, 20 days, sometimes even beyond that because the THC deposits itself in fatty tissue, the lipids, and it stays around a lot longer. But what, while there is a test for, for uh, intoxication, a standard objective test, there is none for marijuana because of that. I mean, if, if, if someone has an accident and they're, they're tested and there's marijuana in their system, that doesn't mean that they were impaired or high when they had the accident. So you can't charge them with the equivalent of DWI. You can only charge them with reckless driving. Folks, I mean, we could spend a week in here talking about all the horrible consequences that could come of this. And the more of these that are passed, the less stress or pressure there'll be to do the research. And we need to continue to do the research. And there are already three or four medicines that have these components in them. Uh, and there will be more as the research is done, but we've got to stop passing these crazy things in order to give the research some time to catch up. Uh, but I want you to know, it's not, a, it's not just a religious uh, a, a set of groups that are opposing this. It's uh, folks all across, all across the board. Now, for those of us who grew up in the 60s like I did, this ain't your, this ain't your buddy's marijuana. It is more than three times as strong in THC concentration as the marijuana in the 60s and 70s. And it is a dangerous drug. And folks, I know, and young people especially, I know you hear all the time, it is a harmless drug. It is not. For teenagers, adolescents who start smoking regularly, we, we've known for a number of years that their cognitive ability is decreased. But the state surgeon general, who just re read some research recently, told me last week that they don't get the cognitive, cognitive ability back. It can lower the IQ up to eight points. It is a dangerous drug. It is an addictive drug. Yes, it is. It is both physically and psychologically addictive. It is a gateway drug leading to other drugs. Um, emergency room visits because of drugs. Marijuana is second only to cocaine in the number of emergency room visits. Uh, a young man last year in Colorado uh, ate some brownies, not knowing how much marijuana was in it. He jumped an eight, off an eighth floor balcony to his death. He was hallucinating. So don't let anybody tell you it's a harmless drug. For those that smoke it long term, there's serious respiratory issues. There's more carcinogens and toxic uh, presence in marijuana smoke than there is in tobacco smoke. I mean, guys, I could go on and on. And let me, let me, let me just recommend this because I can't even begin to scratch the surface. You can go on the website of uh, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration, and pull this off, the dangers, dangers and consequences of marijuana abuse. Uh, it's all documented, footnoted. It's from reputable uh, health organizations, and uh, it's, just, it's just full of information that uh, I can only touch, you scratch the surface on uh, this evening. Um, other comments and questions? Yes. Uh, this, the uh, amendment would, it would establish a five-person board and they would work in conjunction with the Alcoholic Beverage Control Board, which is a joke of a bureaucracy. I've been battling the ABC board over alcohol permits for private clubs and stuff for decades, and they're just a joke. Uh, but they'll, there'll be some, there'll be some uh, home cooking done and who gets, these, gets to be the growers and the sellers, trust me. 
Let me tell you about the tax on this one. By the way, there's no, they, these prevent any additional taxes from being levied. Only the regular sales tax. And in this one, the, the sales tax is to go to the Department of Health, who's supposed to regulate this. Can you imagine the Department of Health, how many regulators that have to hire to go out all over the, it won't happen, but the money's go to the Department of Health. And any money that's not needed for the regulators, for the supervision, you know what it goes for? It goes to buy marijuana for, for low income. <laughs> I know it gets, the more you look into these, the nuttier they get. State? Yeah, state, yeah. yeah. Feds wouldn't touch it because it's against the law. Yeah. Now, the, the Justice Department won't touch it. The, the FBI won't, isn't allowed to prosecute, and the DA is not allowed to. But uh, they should. If they did, we wouldn't be here where we are. Look, folks, again, I'm going to tell you, I'm not saying there's no medical benefit to components of marijuana. I'm just saying we've got to get the science right. That's all I'm saying. We did it with opium. Why can't we do it with marijuana? Uh, it's it's a, simple, a simple proposition, and it's all we have to do. Um, <laughs> questions or comments? These are good. Well, I don't think they'll. I don't think Congress will do it as long as it's illegal. But I mean, it's all, all they got to do is change the law, and then they do it. I, I, I'm not sure. I don't think Congress is quite as bold to just stick their thumb in in the face of Americans as the executive branch is. And that's just my opinion from being a longtime politico who's been singed many times. Okay, but I don't think they will uh, because of that. But once the once it's decriminalized on the federal level. Yeah, they'll get their they'll get their thumb in that pie for sure. Yes, uh huh. And again, there's lawsuits against all of them. Uh, now they're going to be on the ballot whether the law, if the, even if the lawsuits win, because the, law, the the ballots have to be printed pretty soon. But what'll happen is if the courts knock any of these off, they'll just order the Secretary of State not to count the votes. It'll just be null and void. It'll be as if it wasn't on there. Uh, I think. Do you have a question, sir? Oh. Yeah. And again, the cartel, Mexican, I mean, literally, folks, I've got this, I've got this from the, the authorities in Colorado. The Mexican cartels are literally there, physically there. And by, are there any landlords in here? Boy, landlords that are up in arms because these people are going in, they're turning homes and apartments into grow, grow places with all the lights and stuff and they're just ruined the chemicals are ruining ruining the landlords are with us everybody is with us except these knuckleheads right here that ought to go back to the 60s where they belong driving their their yellow vw minibus and wearing wearing uh what do they call those pants with the bell bottoms yeah sorry you can tell i grew up in the 60s right yeah by the way, anybody who grew up in the 60s should have nothing more responsible to do than maybe night shift at McDonald's or Pizza Hut. <laughs> I don't trust any of us. <laughs> come on, come on. I'm going to let you go soon. I got further to go than you got, so we're okay. Yes. Uh, 
uh, accidents involving marijuana, and again, there's no absolute test, but obviously, uh, it's when it's in the system, there's a guess that some of those are impaired. Uh, accidents, uh, vehicular accidents are way up. Crime is up. Uh, emergency room visits, not just by children, but by everybody, are up. Because the, the, uh, the THC today in the marijuana, the raw marijuana, can be up to 17%. But it can be as high as 92% in the edibles, because what they're doing, they're taking the marijuana and they're making oil out of it uh, and, and other components that are then infused in the, the drinks and the food. And so you simply, and by the way, they just sell these things in stores. I mean, it's just like a store, because they can't do it in a, in a pharmacy. And so there's no way of knowing. And by the way, there's no quality control. The marijuana has got pesticides all over it. It's got all kinds of bacteria on it. They use all kinds of strange fertilizer for it. I mean, it is just nasty. Uh, and I just can't imagine people eating that. But crime, accidents, lost time on the job, uh, kids being zoned out, just basically zombies, you know. Not, I mean, not all of them, but those that just are really abusing it. Because it really dulls their senses. I mean, it does impact their, their mental capabilities. And Again, guys, I know everybody on the other side says, oh, it's harmless. It's like taking candy. It is not. It is not a harmless drug. But the, there are, are some very serious consequences all across the board. I mean, it's just amazing. Casinos, are we for them or against them? <laughs> you know, there's really whole not, not a whole lot to say. We've been studying this for a long time. You've heard all the arguments. Casinos are, are only a benefit, economic benefit, for the owners. Uh, casinos and, and big, all gambling, including the lottery, is predatory. All gambling uh, depends on problem gamblers and addicted gamblers to thrive. Casinos could not even exist if it were just recreational gamblers who went in and dropped a few bucks and left. It, it, they couldn't do it. A casino <clears throat> excuse me, is also predatory in that it robs other, it cannibalizes other businesses. Because people who go to the casino are going with disposable income that have been going to traditional businesses. So you're losing sales tax, you're losing uh, wages to those workers, and you're losing profits to that business owner who, you know, will invest or expand. And so it is a horrible business model, but it's really a sweet deal for the owners, for sure. And one thing that is despicable about, despicable about that one is these people have no more say about whether a casino is placed in their community than you do. You get to vote, they get to vote. That's the only say they have. Now, how fair is that? Really, think about that. Why should we, why should we tell Boone County, which is all the way across the state, you gotta have a casino? It's just, uh, it's just, just really a bad deal. But, but casinos, um, within a 7,500 mile radius, have all kinds of problems. Crime increases around those, as you can imagine. All kinds of other criminal enterprises spring up. They're just a bad deal. I mean, how can anything good come out of a system where people are supposed to take and lose their money? And they're going to lose their money <laughs> or the casinos couldn't stay in business. Uh, because, again, it's a predatory business. So it's, it's a bad deal. It's a bad deal for the business. It's a bad deal for the communities. It's a bad deal for the gamblers. Let me tell you, I've, having dealt with this for nearly three decades, I've studied it a lot. Gambling addiction is, is, is in, in a sense, the worst. 
And I'll tell you why, because with an alcoholic, and I, there was a lot of alcoholism in my father's family, and so I kind of got to know the alcoholic's mindset. You know, the alcoholic, in his heart of hearts, will tell you he won't be better off after that next week-long binge. He's not. He'll tell you that if he's honest. But see, the gambler has deluded himself and really thinks the next trip, the next spin of the, 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 the wheel, or the next big bunch of lottery tickets I buy, or the next, you know, next five hours I spend at the video poker machine, I'm going to hit it. I'm going to hit the big time, and I'm going to get my wife back who's left me because of the gambling, and I'm going to uh, repay my boss who I've, I've embezzled from, and I'm going to, you know, give my kids the bikes, that, uh, the old ones that I took, and pawn. So, you know, they really believe that, and so it is really a, t- a, d- a tough addiction to break. And the more there are of those, the more drag they put on the state's social services and criminal uh, justice uh, enterprises. So it's just a bad deal all the way around. Comment or question? Again, folks, I'm, I'm just hitting the tops because that's all we have time for. Unless you want to stay till 10. <laughs> I didn't get an amen on that, did I? <laughs> Is there anybody got a question? Yes, sir. Uh, well, Miller and Boone, because they're border counties. By the way, another screwy thing about this, that's being supported by Branson business interests. Now, well, one reason is very obvious. Branson, and Branson has tried to legalize gambling through the years and it's been unsuccessful. But Branson wants gambling close by. And Boone is, if you're familiar with the geography, Boone is very close to Branson. I mean, it's like you know, 20, 30 miles, depending on where in Boone County they would put the casino. So they want a casino nearby so that people have an additional inducement to come to Branson. And Branson is a, Branson is a big, you, there are like 6 million visitors to Branson every year, maybe more than that by now. Um, and, and they're fearful that, they've done the demographic studies, they're fearful that in time there won't be enough people in, in the existing generations to support all of those all those music shows, and they've got all that infrastructure up there. They got to fill up those hotels and got to have people going to the restaurants, or they're in trouble. So they want gambling nearby. Plus, I, I believe their end game is that if we get gambling, if we get big gambling put in Boone County, we'll probably get people to agree to put it in Branson, so they stay right in Branson and don't go to Boone and then maybe go on somewhere else after their casino trip. So I think there's two reasons for Boone. Uh, Miller, you know, is El Dorado. That's obvious, uh, Border County. And I'll tell you, I'm scratching my head about Washington County. I don't know, but I do, I do know this. The, uh, I think it's the Cherokee tribe, which has already funded this effort at over a million dollars, has already been given the, the right to uh, operate the Washington County Casino. So I think they did that. I think the, 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 the supporters of this, I think, did it to get some money to... And by the way, all of these folks have to get out-of-state money because... They can't gather signatures like we did for the marriage amendment or the unborn child amendment. You're never going to find enough volunteers to stand out in 95-degree heat at Walmart and gather signatures for things like this. These people are paid. And these folks down here, they were paying up to $5 a signature. Now, not paying the people that signed, but paying the, the, the canvassers who gathered the signatures. So it's a big business operation. But none of these would even be near the ballot if they had to rely on volunteers. So uh, they do it a little different than we, we've done ours. All right, what more? Yes.
Good question. The act needed, oh, I think something around 68,000 valid signatures. The two amendments for the Constitution, they need 80-something, 80 80,000 valid signatures. So it's a, it's a pretty good, it's a pretty good heavy lift, but uh, they've got deep pockets. Let me tell you another great thing. You remember two years ago we defeated a amendment, constitutional amendment, to make the entire state wet? I don't know if you remember that. And of course, we won that. Mainly we won that because our argument was local control. We weren't arguing that, that we weren't having a referendum on alcohol because there's a lot of people that drink today. We were saying, look, the same reason we don't, same reason we don't want to impose a, a, a casino on Boone, we were saying, look, the whole state shouldn't impose uh, alcohol on a county. Let's keep local option election the way we've had it. And that was a, that was a winning argument. But that amendment had been approved again this year. <laughs> And it was dropped, and by the way, the guy right here, the attorney right here, David Couch, uh, who if you get very near him, you're going to need to take a shower when you get home. But um, <laughs> David Couch also had done the alcohol amendment for this year. He dropped it because the alcohol interests are funding his marijuana amendment. Okay? So... That's the kind of characters that we're dealing with. That's the only reason we don't have a statewide alcohol uh, thing in there. I guess that was ugly, but you haven't met David Couch, all right? Withhold judgment until you meet him, all right? <laughs> I'm tired, guys. I get kind of kind of loose. You better shut me down, Mike. <laughs> I don't, and I don't know when you want us to get out of here. When you want to finish, do this. I'll ignore you, but you'll feel better about it. <laughs> All right, folks. I won't say anything more ugly about somebody, okay? We're in church. Yes? Pardon? How cynical are you? <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Here's the good news. You can get a sample ballot from your county clerk pretty far in advance of the election. So I would just, and also they usually are printed in the local papers. But just be sure you get a copy of it. And, but you're right. In fact, that, 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 uh, that ethics amendment that was passed uh, a few years ago that the legislature proposed, uh, everybody thought they were voting for tighter ethics. It was term limits. We increased their term limits. Nobody knew it. So that's a perfect example of what you're talking about. All right. Well, yeah, that would be my recommendation, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't want to tell anybody how to vote. Yeah, just yeah, against yeah, but but the gentleman is right. They can be worded trick in a tricky way. <laughs> what was that? I want to hear that. <laughs> I'm gonna come back and check on your. I'm gonna check on your crops. You better not be wearing bell bottoms and driving a mini, a minivan.
I can't believe the stuff we wore. I had a friend not too long ago said, Larry, I feel sorry for all the guys that died in the 70s. And I said, why? And he said, they got to go through eternity in a leisure suit. <laughs> you guys don't even, know, don't even know what a leisure suit is, do you? <laughs> Remember the lime green ones? With the flowery shirt and, the, and, of course, you were only decked out if you had the white belt and white shoes, too. Huh? Yeah. Or John Travolta? All right, I'm sorry. I, Mike, I'm about finishing. You know, I said we'd talk about religious liberty, and, uh, and that is a big issue. There's a, there's a convergence of two issues that have come together. One is the, the SOGI agenda. Let me tell you what I mean by that. It's shorthand. It's S-O-G-I, sexual orientation and gender identity. That agenda is bumping up against religious liberty. And honestly, those, those agendas are being used as stalking horses to strip us uh, of our religious liberty. And you've seen the stories about the florists and the bakers. There's a bakery, a, a couple that owns a bakery in Colorado were fined $130,000. They've lost their business because they wouldn't make a cake for a same-sex wedding. There's a florist in Washington who lost her business for the same reason. Um, now you're saying, well, hey, those are bad, but we're not seeing much of it. Well, there's a law right now, but let me tell you, it's a false sense of security. Let me tell you why there's a law. Only 20 states have included these groups in their civil rights laws, giving them special privileges. After the Supreme Court's decision in June of last year, in which they struck down all state laws that restricted marriage to one man and one woman, while, it only, while, that, while that decision only applied to marriage, it's breathed life into this whole SOGI agenda. The rationale for that is, is, is emboldening these folks, and we're going to see states and municipalities and counties add these groups to the civil rights laws. Now, you're saying, well, the Arkansas legislature would never do that. The legislatures don't have to anymore. The courts do it for them. The courts are, are, are functioning as legislatures. The U.S. Supreme Court is a, is, a, is a super congress of nine lawyers wearing black robes. They are legislating rather than interpreting the law. And we're seeing the same thing in the state. So the legislature in Arkansas doesn't have to include these groups. Some judges, a runaway judge is going to do it, probably. So what we're doing is we're doing some things to protect ourselves. And Mike, I'll plead ignorance. I, I don't know if, <clears throat> if Wynn Baptist has uh, got the packet that I put together. But I spent countless hours last year after this issue really broke picking the best brains of religious uh, liberty attorneys in, our, in, in America and put together a packet of documents that churches can use to upgrade their policies to help protect against um, the, the civil rights lawsuits that are coming. And the, the whole basis for it is, I don't know if you remember, but in the last legislative session, we had a big fight over the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. Do you remember that? Well, I remember it because I was down there 18 hours a day, and man, it got hot and heavy. The proponents of the SOGI agenda did not want the RIFRA passed. They said it would lead to all kinds of blatant discrimination and raw, raw treatment. So, there was so much hyperbole. Folks, there were already 20 states that had the Religious Freedom Restoration Act. In fact, the federal government passed one in 93. Here's a history question. Who would, who would been the president that signed the RIFRA in 1993? Bill Clinton, I mean, how bad could it be, right? I mean, he signed it, he championed it. Uh, so the referee, there's no, they're, they're, and by the way, we asked the, the ones that were screaming about, oh, there's going to be all kinds of horror stories. We said, show us one. They could not. It's been around for decades. They cannot show one horror. What RIFR does 
is it provides an affirmative defense. Now, I know you're not an attorney, so I'll try to make it simple. An affirmative defense is something you can try to assert after you've been charged. Let me tell you how it works. Uh, I'm going to use a real simple example, okay? It's, it's, most of them are not quite that simple. Uh, let's say that a same-sex couple comes to the church and tells Brother Don that he would li- they would like for him to perform their service and they would like to do it in his church. And he says, no, we can't do that. It violates our deeply held religious beliefs. Well, that's the first test in the RIFRA. But how's a court going to know it, I mean, for certain? How, how can you show it and document that it violates your deeply held religious beliefs? Well, the, one, of the mem- one of the pieces of the packet we put together is a statement on gender, marriage, and sexuality, which covers that. There's ver- replete with verses about, about that. So you could, you could show that. Brother Don could show that. But there's one other prong, one other test in the RIFRA, and that is... Okay, let's say that, that violates your deeply held religious belief, but is there, is there a least restrictive way that they can get married? That, you know, if, let's, say the, let's say it goes to the court and the court says you've got to marry them. Is there a least restrictive way for, the, for them to get married? Well, is there? Yeah, go to a justice of the peace or go to a liberal, liberal uh, uh, denomination who's, who's doing it already now. So... So Ripper would, would give me, by the way, there's a real case. You remember the Hobby Lobby case? In the Hobby Lobby case, I'll do this very briefly. The, under, the, under the affordable, don't you love the titles Congress gives laws? The Affordable Care Act? Have you seen the deductibles and the premiums? Yeah. <laughs> Unaffordable care. But under the Affordable Care Act, a, a, a company that employs more than 50 people has have to provide birth control for their women employees. And... Uh, there are 19 of them that are approved. Now, five of those are abortifacients. You all know what those are. Those are, are, not, those are more than, they, they don't just prevent conception. They actually will kill the fertilized egg early in, early in the stages of pregnancy. That's why we call it abortifacient. Well, if you know anything about Hobby Lobby, they're very, the owners of that company are very faithful. They're very devout Christians, very pro-life. And, and they said, no, we don't want to provide the abortifacients. Well, the federal government sued them, as you would expect. It did go all the way to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court ruled in Hobby Lobby's fa- favor under RIFRA, under RIFRA. They said it's clear that pro, uh, sanctity of life is a deeply held religious belief of the Hobby Lobby owners. And in terms of the least restrictive way, the court said, look, out of the 19, there are 14 birth controls these women can get. They're, they're okay. If they want to get an abortifacient, they can pay for that. But Hobby Lobby's willing to provide, no, they didn't want to, but they were willing to provide 14. So that's how that works. And that's why this packet, the packet also includes a policy use agreement. Uh, you know, I've had some pastors say, look, Larry, we're, we're going to solve this by, we're not going to let any non-members marry, and we're not going to allow any outside groups to use our facilities. And I'm saying, you're going too far. You folks, we don't want to put boards on the windows and lock the doors, do we? We we're to look as winsome to the world as we can. We're to be as open to the community as we can. So these policies will protect the church, but still, still allow some openness for folks. And you still can marry non-members if they'll agree to the policy of the church. You know, uh, if you don't have that policy, then uh, there could be some problems. So would you just ask Brother Don or whoever if if they got that packet? And uh, I've sent out hundreds and hundreds. That's why I don't remember if y'all got one. But it can, it, can, it can save a whole lot of heartache at some point. And I, I really think this is coming uh, because, you know, if we view this stuff outside the spiritual context, we're, we're not doing an, 
we're not doing it justice because this is Satan behind this. And he wants to shut this down so that we have to do everything in these four walls and nothing out there. And how's that going to affect our witness and our job of evangelizing and winning the world? So it's important. It's also important stewardship. Let me explain why. Let's say you don't do these packages. You get hit with a big civil rights lawsuit. Insurance companies are either going to limit or eliminate coverage altogether for uh, sexual minority lawsuit judgments. Okay? So let's say the church gets hit with a big judgment. You've got to pay it. Where would that money have gone if not for the, to the judgment? To ministry, right? So it's a stewardship question too. So uh, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty important. Now all this is evolving. In fact, I've already had to update the, the policies to cover the bathroom issue. By the way, I wrote an uh, article recently. It was in the news magazine. I said, please quit talking about bathrooms. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? The transgender? It, the bathrooms are bad enough. Talk about locker rooms and showers. Do you know that under the transgender policy that the administration has told schools they got to comply with? And by the way, they don't. They're bluffing. They are telling schools lies. And they, they threatened to withhold federal funds if the schools don't comply. Do you know under that policy, a 15-year-old boy can play on the girls' volleyball team and shower with the girls, and all he's got to do is, I feel like a girl? Don't you get any ideas? <laughs> when I be taking notes, just stop it right now. Can you believe that? Here's how crazy it's gotten. In Oregon, a minor, 15 years or older, can get a sex change operation paid for with tax money, and the parents don't have to be notified. No permission from the parents. Folks, I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just telling you, this is going south fast, and we've got to be prepared for it. We've got to do all that we can to protect our religious liberties and those of our, of our pastors. Um, that is a real quick synopsis of that, and there's a lot more, uh, lot more about that, obviously. Um, let me, let me give you, you know, I told you I've debated this lots of places. I have a question that no same-sex or transgender person has been able to answer. I've absolutely stumped them with this question. Now, let me set the question up, okay? 5,000 years of recorded history for man, right? About, 500, about five, around 5,000 years, right? All right? In all that time, until the last two or three decades in Scandinavia, no culture... No matter how religious or pagan, no matter how connected or remote, no matter how advanced or primitive, has embraced same-sex marriage or whatever the equivalent of marriage is in that culture. Now, here's the question. If it is so natural and normal and healthy, wouldn't you think some culture would have gotten it right in 5,000 years? You know, this morning, if you were here, I talked about the innate knowledge that God gives us, and I'm, I'm about to wrap it up, Micah. The innate knowledge God gives us about his existence. There's another thing God gives us innate, innate knowledge about. You go to the deepest, darkest tribe in, in the rainforest or in, in the middle of Africa, find the most primitive tribe you can find, and look at their social structure. Man, woman, man, woman, man, woman. They don't have the scriptures. They don't have Dr. Phil or Oprah. They don't have anything except God's innate knowledge. They know innately what kind of relationship it's to be, what kind of arrangement it's, it's to be. It's only when man gets so smart and so prideful 
that he can suppress God's truth about something. Oh, Larry, don't preach that again, please. Suppress God's truth about something and substitute it for his own. They, remember that question. They can't answer it. Now, I had a, a liberal pundit in Little Rocket uh, call me. Somebody had sent him one of my emails. And he said, now, Larry, you're wrong. I said, really? Tell me how I'm wrong. He said, well, there was an indigenous American uh, native tribe tribe in the northwest that did that and he said there was a greek city state that did it and i said well thank you you've strengthened my case and he said what do you mean of course i, don't, I didn't believe i said if you're true you've, if it's true you've strengthened my case he said how i said well it died out didn't it it didn't catch on did it <laughs> but it's a simple thing and i told you this morning look this isn't about hate or bigotry or any of that folks it's just about trying to keep ordered society the way God intended it. That's my only desire. I know, Mike, i got to shut up now. And uh, it's a, Well, it's only 6.35, so... We, you know, Mike, it doesn't bother me when they do that, but when they do that... No, I'm, I'm done. I, there's a lot... Listen, you can call me, you can, uh, um, you can email me or whatever if you have questions, and I, and I can send you material. Sign up for these emails, though. You'll get the kind of stuff that I'm giving you tonight, and you'll get it in a way you don't have to hear my, uh, my uh, uh, un, uh, un, unattractive and undesirable voice, okay? God bless you. Thanks for having me. Thanks again for your support.